Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the 25-8 Sportscast. I'm your host, Tommy Fink. And alongside me today, as always, is my pal, Jet Rosenstein. Jet, how are you and Jimmy Butler doing today? Hey, pal. Um, not doing too great. Obviously, this this series this between the Heat and the Celtics been a lot of ups and downs, extreme ups and downs. I uh, don't really want to get into too much, but I just want to keep I'm everyone out there in the loop that if I do lash out or sound like I'm really angry, um, just take a look at the box score. Yeah, we, we can get to that later, but today it is the part two of our NFL power rankings. It is the NFC's turn at a shine in the light, and realistically, I see two teams on this list that would compete in the AFC for a playoff spot. But, you know, it's it's just the nature of getting the Cowboys the easiest schedule that the NFL possibly can. So we'll have to we'll have to see what we got here. I'll start us off with number 16, Jet. Okay. And for me at number 16, I have the Atlanta Falcons. And I think that they have some good pieces here. I think we see Desmond Ritter um, probably around week 10 coming in and starting regularly. Um not even a knock on Mariota. It's just it's part of the business. It's you got to plan for your future. You got to see if Ritter um, is what he was advertised as during the draft. Cordero Patterson ain't getting any younger, but he did just have his best offensive season of his career. So you don't really know what to expect there. Drake London, obviously a big piece. It's to be determined how he plays this season. I don't really think this season is going to be uh, too big of a tell. Um, cause I don't, I don't see that him getting the ball too much just cause of the nature of the offense. All of my Zacchaeus, Brian Edwards, Kyle Pitts. Um, I, I don't see this team winning too more, too many more than two games, to be honest with you. Yeah, they, they definitely do have a lot of young talent that, um, can be very good in the upcoming years. However, the, the way that the Falcons have started to build out their team throughout this rebuild is very interesting considering they've drafted obviously Kyle Pitts in the first round last year. And then Drake London, another offensive weapon in the first round this year, is kind of disregarding um, players in the trenches, offensive line, defensive line. Very interesting. We'll see if it works out. Um, In regards to Marcus Mariota, I think he could potentially do some damage given the amount of weapons that he has. Not saying he's going to light the league on fire or anything, but he'll provide a nice veteran president present and be somewhat of a role model to Desmond Ritter, who I who I definitely think we will see at some point in this season. But uh, for now, Falcons fans are going to have to just ride this wave of being really, really bad and hope that um, this rebuild gets over with sooner rather than later. Yeah, and another guy you can't forget is A.J. Terrell on the defensive side of things. I think he very quietly solidified himself as a top-five corner in the NFL last season. I agree with that. I agree. And uh, I mean, you have the Cow- the Falcons at 16 as well. I have, yes, I have the Falcons at 16 okay. as well. Yeah. For me, my number 15 team is the Carolina Panthers. And Jet over this, we both had Sam Darnold as the worst, quote, starting caliber quarterback in the NFL as far as just his attributes go. Uh, so you're not going to get a lot there. Obviously, they drafted Matt Corral. You don't know what you're going to get with him. Christian McCaffrey, you don't know what you're going to get with him. Honestly, if you look at this whole entire team, you can look at this whole entire roster, and the only player that you know what you're going to get out of them 
is DJ Moore. And you could argue J.C. Horn, but he's coming off of a season-ending injury last year. So you, you really you really have no idea what you're going to get with anyone in this roster, even, even special teams. So Panthers at 15. Yeah, I'll talk about the Panthers in a little bit. But at number 15, I have the Seattle Seahawks. And obviously, no more Russell Wilson for them. And it's a little bit of change in the direction of their franchise trying to find their next quarterback. Obviously, the on the flip side of that Russell Wilson trade, they got Drew Locke. And he'll be fighting for that QB1 spot with a guy like Geno Smith. So well, it'll be very interesting to see who will win that QB battle. But for the Seahawks, obviously, they saw those two big-time targets in Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf, and then a solid running back in Rashad Penny. However, their defense, ever since the Legion of Boom, has taken a turn for the worse and has got significantly worse each year. And then another problem which they've dealt with for several years has been their offensive line. Um, Obviously, I don't think the Seahawks are going to be competitive this year, Um, but there there are – I, I do think there are some positives. If they're able to keep DK Metcalf around, which I think is going to be very hard to do, that would be a very positive thing for the team. But the Seahawks franchise in general has had a good history of you know, sustaining playoff success year after year. So I think they will be able to figure it out eventually as long as they're able to put the right guys in the right position to succeed. Okay, I'll segue right in because the Seahawks are my 14th team. Um. I'm going to come out and say I disagree with you completely. I think that this team is is almost like mid-early 2000s Cleveland Browns um, playoff hopes because I look at this roster and Drew Locke, he's, had a few, he's put together a few good games in his career, nothing more. Geno Smith has always been you know, your spot backup quarterback. Obviously, Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. I think Tyler Lockett has maybe two more seasons of meaningful games in his career. DK Metcalf, I doubt he stays because he's already shown like problems with the Seahawks. Like he's had a few issues uh, off the field, but within the clubhouse. Noah Fant, that was a nice pickup for them, but that's not going to matter by the time that this team contends. Uh, Jamal Adams, I mean, honestly, that deal is what spiraled this team out of control. Jamal Adams, he had a bunch of sacks one year, and they thought that this was the best defensive player of all time, and they put their chips in that basket, and it's not going to work out for them. Obviously, you swing and miss sometimes. That happens. Um, I just think that they did it too prematurely and too heavily to be able to recover from this anytime soon. Obviously, last season was a major disappointment, Many, many people were picking this team to make the playoffs last season, and, and which was a weak NFC. Um, so for them to not even really come close, obviously they were in the toughest division in the NFC, but they still, they, you know, Russell Wilson missed a few games here and there. But I think that, I think that this team is a few, a few years at least out of a playoff spot. Sorry, Aiden, that loud mouth. <laughs> Always, always good to uh, shout out our competitors, especially when they're in a really dark place right now. So um, <laughs> shout out to the, the Loudmouth crew. But uh, let me get to my number 14 team. It's a team Tom already touched on, the Carolina Pan- Panthers. And you mentioned that there's there's only a few guys that we can really you know, trust to see what they're going to be able to bring to the field. One of those guys that we really can't trust is what Christian McCaffrey is going to look like, even if he is on the field, just because he hasn't been able to stay healthy ever since he got – that big workload um, a few years back and 
getting carry after carry. He has kind of been um, been used way too much considering the frame he has and the way he runs. Um, not not great for his future just because we don't even know if he'll ever be able to replicate what we're used to. But as far as the quarterback situation, obviously Thomas Tommy mentioned Matt Corral and Sam Darnold. So there, obviously Sam Darnold doesn't really have a future in this league. I think we've seen enough from him to determine that he is not even worthy, in my opinion, of a backup role in this league. Um, but I, I do like Matt Corral. What will we be able to see, like upside wise from him? I don't know if his ceiling is as high as maybe some of the other rookie quarterbacks, but I like that the Panthers did draft a quarterback after. I think the past couple drafts, they really highly emphasized defense, and they did get a, a couple of good names with their defensive picks. But um, I wouldn't be surprised, honestly, if the Pan- Panthers finished lower than the Seahawks, just because these, these bottom three teams, I mean, we're both in agreement that they're they're in the bottom three for a reason. I think them, um, 14, 15, and 16 compared to, I think, even 13, I think there is a, a little bit of a drop-off, in my opinion. Yeah, agreed there. For me at 13, I have the Detroit Lions. Now, this is where you kind of get into the realm of possible competitiveness within the NFC. I think 14, 15, and 16 are, you know, they are planning for next year's draft already. The Detroit Lions aren't too far out of that boat, but I could see them winning a few games and, you know, trying to potentially play spoiler late in the season here. Uh, the offense is absolutely not the problem. They have a a very sneaky good offense. Now, Jared Goff, you look at that, and it can potentially bring the whole thing, burn it through the ground. But DeAndre Swift, who I think can potentially, you know, compete for like a top eight running back spot here this year, if he can stay healthy. Amon Ross St. Brown broke onto the scene pretty well. DJ Chark. He's always been a pretty big name. He's never really been able to put it together, but he's never had a quarterback. Not saying that Jared Goff is that quarterback, but, you know, you never know. Jamison Williams as well. And then TJ Hawkinson, you can't forget about him. He is He's a top five tight end in the game. They also have a pretty solid offensive line with the likes of Panay Sewell and Frank Ragnow. Um, defense obviously has its questions, but every team in the NFL has its questions. I wouldn't be surprised if this team wins like six games this year, though. Yeah, number 13 for me um, is the Chicago Bears. And um, just looking at the construction of their team, obviously they have some pieces, but I think a lot of this, you know, direction of this team is going to depend on the development of Justin Fields. Not a great uh, rookie season, but you can argue that a lot of it had to do with the play calling and the system that it was put into, not a system that is has the ability to succeed led by Matt Nagy. Um Obviously, that's going to change. It's not like they're getting a another offensive-minded coach. They are getting um, Tommy's old pal from uh, the Colts, Matt Eberflus, the former defensive coordinator. But um, no more Allen Robinson, obviously. He's with the Rams. So Darnell Mooney comes into that wide receiver one role, which I think is going to be very tough for him to convert into. He definitely doesn't profile as a wide receiver one, while he is still a very talented wide receiver. Um the big thing is if Justin Fields take another they takes another step, the Bears will be, you know, happy enough to know that they have their franchise quarterback. However, um, if if he's not the answer, this it's gonna set this team back um several years once again. So don't really like the Bears chances. Very slim, slim chances, I think, of even uh getting one of those final wildcard spots. 
again, perfect segue because the Bears are my number 12 team. Um, I have them one, one notch above the Lions just because I think the quarterback play is going to be a bit better. I think the offense as a whole is worse. But the defense, I would say, I would argue is much better than the Lions. Um, guys like Robert Quinn, Al-Qadim Muhammad, who is actually a very quiet, good player. Uh, Eddie Jackson, obviously you can't forget Roquan Smith, a top three linebacker in football. And just based off the old adage that defense wins championships, just give me the Bears one notch above the Detroit Lions. Okay. Um, number 12 for me is the New York Giants. Um, for them, I, I think they, they really, you know, hit the nail on the head in their in their draft, adding Thibodeau and also Evan Neal, two guys, uh, one in, in Thibodeau. He was at one point labeled as the number one prospect, um, according to many draft experts. Obviously, he fell just a little bit, but he was still a top, top pick. And then Evan Neal, um, offensive lineman from Alabama, have really exceeded – Madden exceeded expectations so far in their 10 years in the NFL, and Evan Neal's as pro-ready as it gets, and that's a significant addition to um, to help out Daniel Jones, which he needs all the help, obviously, that he can get. We have, we've, we've seen flashes, that's for sure, but he hasn't been able to put it all together. Maybe with the addition now of Brian Dable as their head coach, he's able to elevate him to what their expectations were when they drafted him. Obviously, I do have my questions just based off what we've seen. Another thing, can Saquon Barkley stay healthy and just put forth some of the production we saw from him uh, earlier on his career? We will find out. But the Giants have a lot of nice young pieces that they have to work with. Um, I think it's just a matter of them putting it all together. And who knows, they, they could be one of those dark horse teams to sneak in for a wild card spot if, if everyone plays up to expectations. Yeah, I have the Giants at 11, so it looks like I'm just going one spot higher with everybody. The thing for me with the Giants is Joe and Brian Dable, are, they're new, they're exciting, they come from a winning culture. Now, can they bring that culture to New York is the big question. The Giants are littered with injury-prone offensive weapons. Um, Kenny Galladay, he's had a heyday. Shepard, same for him. They both had good seasons in their career, but they've both been injury-prone all throughout. Kadarius Toney looks like he may be headed in the same direction. Um, first draft from the Giants and Joe Schoen, perfect draft. I would consider their draft to be an A-plus draft. They went out and, like you said, got Kayvon Thibodeau and also went and picked up Mark Lewinsky in the offseason. Andrew Thomas is already a great offensive lineman and then drafting Evan Neal as well. So this offensive line is is it's the offensive line to have if you're Daniel Jones. Um, Daniel Jones is obviously on a very short leash because I don't think that I don't think that you can perform like you have been in your whole career with this offensive line now, because that basically takes away all of your excuses. The thing for me that's interesting here is that, you know, as a GM, you want to, you got to get your quarterback, but you know, you consider the giants to, to want Arch Manning just because of the Manning, Eli Manning, blah, 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 blah. So the thing that I'm looking at is do they go after a guy next year, like CJ Stroud, or do they go after Bryce Young? Because, you know, Joe Schoen can't wait around for Arch Manning when, you know, his neck is on the line because he has to get his quote-unquote guy. 
Um, so it'll be interesting to see next year's draft for these guys. I think the Giants can be contenders here within the next five years if Dable and Sean keep taking them in the right direction. Yeah, I, I do think that, I mean, unless obviously Daniel Jones shocks the world and just lights the league on fire, um, he won't be the quarterback next year just because obviously this is not the quarterback they drafted, being that this is a new 10-year GM head coach. So I definitely think we see a, a change at quarterback next year. Um, number 11 for me is the Detroit Lions, obviously a little bit more higher on them than Tommy. And the, the main reason is, I think we have to take this into consideration, the amount of very close games that the Lions won. I mean, it, it was remarkable considering that the team they were playing with, um, I think, you know, you got to give a lot of credit to what Dan Campbell brings to the table as a head coach. He really is not only a motivator, but he's able to put all of his whole team in a position in a great position to succeed. And obviously they got, they definitely got better in the offseason, obviously adding some much, much needed help to that defense with Aiden Hutchinson uh, coming over from the University of Michigan to help a defense that I believe ranked in the bottom of the league and just getting pressure to the quarterback as well as sacks in general. And then offensively, they have plenty of weapons for Jared Goff to use. And while Jared Goff might not be one of the flashier quarterbacks in the game, He's a game manager, and he'll be able to make the throws necessary to win. Um, I don't, I don't necessarily think it was a mistake not drafting a quarterback this year, considering uh, the the class that we're expecting uh, next year. I mean, I don't, I don't think the Lions may though be in a position to take one of these top guys because I could very well see them finishing at or maybe even a little above 500 as well as long as we see a nice positive development in all the young players they have. So, give me the Lions at 11. So just for the sake of coming back and looking at this sheet of paper that I'm writing on right now, are you saying that the Lions finish somewhere from eight wins to ten wins this season? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm writing it down right now. Interesting take by our very own Jet. Uh, he must be a little brain warped after watching Jimmy Butler put up seven points. Um, that's what happens when you don't get filled just, up by free just, throws. I, the reason I say that is just look at their their schedule last year, and obviously it's going to be a total season this year, but their team got better, and they, they were in pretty much every game. And obviously it's the Lions, and they can end up doing what they always do best. But um, I'm, buying, I'm buying the Detroit Lions. I'm buying DeAndre Swift in fantasy very early. That's all I know. I'm selling Number 10 Jones. for me. Number, yeah, good. Number 10 for me is the New Orleans Saints. And I look at this depth chart, and I really just see, like, has-beens everywhere. Jameis Winston, he has been a really good quarterback. He also has been a really awful quarterback at times. Um, leading the league in yards and interceptions, that's kind of his M.O. Um, Alvin Kamara, we don't know what we're going to get. We don't even know if we are going to get him. Michael Thomas, guy hasn't played in two years. Jarvis Landry, another one. He hasn't really been the wide receiver that he used to be in Miami. And then you look at Chris. Hey, well, there's some there's some young life. But other than that, there's not a whole lot. Check a pretty tackle. Cameron Jordan, he's still he's still playing uh, pretty close to the top of his game. But we really can't expect much more than one or two really solid years from him. And I would honestly argue the same for Marshawn Lattimore, Tyran Math. Um, I think that there is a lot of concern with the Saints team, and I think that they get worse before they get better. Okay. 
I'll talk about the Saints in just a few seconds. But at number 10, I have the Washington Commanders. And after a, a very disappointing season last year, after the success they had the year before, and the big story, I mean, most of their big-name players on defense happened to be injured. Chase Young missed, missed several games, and he was so impactful the year before. But the defense is still going to be their strong suit. Now they're able to get some of their guys back from injury. Um, and then looking at the offensive side of things, obviously now they have Carson Wentz as their quarterback. And that is not, you know, the – the most desirable thing to have considering what he did in the stretch run with uh, Tommy's Colts, but he still is a, a veteran quarterback. He's able to make some of those throws when necessary. And we'll see. Um, obviously they drafted Sam Howell in the draft and they still have Taylor Heineke. So they have flexible at the quarterback position if once doesn't work out, but they do have plenty of um, plenty of weapons offensively with Antonio Gibson and JD McKissick. Running at a very solid running back room. And then you saw Terry McLaurin and the rookie Jahan Dotson, who they drafted out of Penn State as well. So there's a lot of there's there's several things to like about the commanders. Um I definitely think though that they are they are gonna be a very average team all year. Um, while it's possible they can sneak into a, a wild card spot. Um, I think they're gonna be just short, and a lot of it's gonna um, point back to the quarterback position. Okay, for me, I have the Commanders at nine, so I'll, I'll talk about them right now. I agree with a lot of the things you said. I think that this is the first team that I've brought up that actually has a real chance at the playoffs. I will consider it an outside chance, but I, I do think that this team can make the playoffs. They're definitely not going to win the division, but I think that this team can, can sneak into a wild card spot. Carson Wentz, I think that he is going to play better in a weaker NFC, I think that he's going to feast on weaker matchups against like the Giants, the Panthers, and other teams like this. I think that Terry McLaurin has a great year because Carson Wentz loves throwing the ball up to his biggest and best receiver. So I think that we see a, a nice year from Terry McLaurin as well as Logan Thomas. I think Logan Thomas is going to have a nice bounce back year after he was kind of had the injury bug all throughout the stretch run of last year. Um, obviously you mentioned Chase Young, Montez Sweat, the defense, it was supposed to be crazy good last year and it just really never, and like you mentioned, you know, injuries hurt, but I think that this team can make the playoffs. I'm going to predict somewhere from eight to nine wins for this team though. Okay. Uh, number nine for me is the New Orleans Saints. And I, I think maybe why I have them a little bit higher than you is I've always been a fan of what the Saints have done. Obviously it's, it's a little bit of change now. Now that Sean Payton's gone, Drew Brees has been gone for a couple of years now. Uh, the status of Alvin Kamara is going to be really up in the air after his offseason incidents. Uh, the return of Michael Thomas is another storyline. Haven't seen him on the field in, in a couple of years. And, you know, can he get back to him being one of the top receivers in the league? If that's the case, and I think it's very possible we see that because I do think Jameis Winston can have a very successful season. Obviously, the big question for him is can he limit the turnovers? And that is a big question. But we saw, you know, we saw glimpses of him playing at a high level last year. Obviously, he went down due to injury, but um, like overall, this team does have a lot of older players. Uh, this, this this seems like the Saints are kind of in a transition period, kind of figuring out whether they go into a full-fledged rebuild or kind of 
try and get to that final wild card spot and just make do with the team they have. I don't think they go to the full rebuild rebuild route, but I do think in the next couple of years that they will try and find their quarterback of the future because I don't think that that quarterback is in their current quarterback room. Do you think that we see Alvin Kamara at all this year? I, I do think we see him. I, I do think he's going to get suspended, but I, if anything, I think it'll just be half of the season at most. Yeah. Uh, really quick, I'm trying to look something up here. Do you remember? Ken's trying to look something up here. What is? What was the name of the the offensive lineman last year for the Cowboys that made so many penalties? Was it Connor McGovern? Um, I think so. Oh, Connor Williams. That's who it was. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Dolphins. Connor Williams. So my number eight team is the Dallas Cowboys. And this is for a number of reasons. Dak Prescott, while he puts up good statistical numbers every single season, his whole entire career he's played six games against some of the worst defenses we've ever seen in the NFL. And this may already sound biased, but – it is. I hate the Cowboys, but there is there is a lot of truth to what I'm saying. Dak Prescott is a good quarterback. He's top 15. He is a franchise quarterback. Nothing more, nothing less. But I think we've seen the best that we're going to see from Dak Prescott. And it was a few years ago. It wasn't the Dak Prescott we saw last. Obviously, that was coming off of a major, major injury. But I don't think we see Dak Prescott get any better. Ezekiel Elliott's not getting any younger. They got rid of their best wide receiver in Amari Cooper. I think I think uh, Cooper was still the better receiver, even though he had the injury concerns. I still think Lamb is a good player, and I think that C.D. Lamb can take over that wide receiver one role. But they also lost Cedric Wilson. That is a loss, and nobody's really talking about it. Um, they went from Cedric Wilson being their four to James Washington being their three. And I think that that's a pretty big issue because – they 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 now they now lack the depth that they once had at this wide receiver position. Schultz is going to be a good player. Tyron Smith and Zach Martin, their two best offensive linemen, are not getting. We talked about Connor Williams being the most penalized offensive lineman in the NFL last year. So what did they do? They went out and drafted Tyler Biadas, and I don't really even know how to say his last name, but Tyler Biadas, the new center there, he was the most penalized offensive lineman in all of college football last year. So they didn't fix that problem. Uh, the defense, they lost Randy Gregory. Trayvon Diggs, it is literally impossible to replicate the year that he had last year because corners don't do that. They don't continually get interceptions like that. Darrell Revis, even in his best, his prime years, he had a few years where he got like two or three interceptions. Obviously, he was seeing the ball much less because that's what a real lockdown corner sees. They don't get as many passes in the direction. They just... They don't recover with interceptions. Leighton Vander Esch is getting old. Demarcus Lawrence is getting old. Both of those guys injury prone. Malik Hooker injury prone. Um, I don't. I don't think this team. If this team wasn't named the Dallas Cowboys, I don't think anyone would pick them to have any more than nine wins this year. Interesting. So, um, yeah, it's like to spend more time on the Cowboys than the Colts. Kind of shows maybe maybe you have a little bit of passion for those Cowboys, but um. Number eight for me. Is, I did, did I say anything untrue? 
No, no, all true. I just, okay. I just think I feel a little bit differently, obviously, because they're not on my. I didn't mention them yet, and I'm not going to just yet. Because uh, number eight for me is the Arizona Cardinals, and I think we potentially see this team take a step back after what started as a very successful beginning of the season. But as the season went on, they kind of um, moved back to the mean, and there's a lot of questions with this team. Kyler Murray and the contract situation. Um, could it potentially hold out longer than OTAs into training camp? That could stunt this team's growth. Obviously, DeAndre Hopkins is going to be suspended, leaving the newly acquired Marquis Brown as the wide receiver one. Uh, James Conner went healthy. He played, I mean, he played as a, a top five, top ten running back last year. But the question is, can he stay healthy? Because injuries have been a question for him all throughout his career. And then obviously, two uh, key contributors they lost in the free agency, Chandler Jones being one of them, I think that is a going to have a huge impact on the, the direction of their defense. Um, just because now you have J.J. Watt, one of the one of the top one of the top remaining players on that defense, but he isn't getting any younger, and he's another guy that has had issues staying healthy. And then Christian Kirk uh, getting paid by the Jaguars to be a top receiver in this league, it's going to hurt them just because uh, Kyler Murray, if he plays, doesn't have one of those security blankets, and it kind of hurts their depth at wide receiver. But overall, um, this was kind of a last minute change too. I think uh, the Cardinals take a little step back, but. They will definitely be fighting for one of those final wild card spots. Yeah, I have the Cardinals at number seven, and the reason I I have this team a little bit higher than you, I think, is that you forget how hot this team gets under Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury in the first half. Uh, every year that these two guys have been together, the first half of the season, it looks like they are going to be Super Bowl contenders, Super Bowl favorites, even, and then they kind of fall apart go 500 after, you know, midseason, which they still end up with a great record and a high seed in the playoffs, but they're just wiped in the first round. What's going to be interesting is to see if Cliff Kingsbury can flip the script a little bit, maybe find a way to keep his guys, I don't even know what it is, entertained if that's what the problem is, but uh, they, they need to figure out a way to put together a full season, and this happens with young teams throughout all sports. Um, just look at like, I mean, really any number of examples, the New York Knicks started off really hot with a couple young core pieces that are good players. They fell apart. It's, it's what teams do. So maybe, you know, Kyler Murray heading into, I think his fourth season, third or fourth season, third, I think right? It's four. I think it's fourth. Either way. I think, I think that we see actually some progression from this team. I don't think they start as hot as they do, but I think that they can maintain a even keel pace, maybe finish the season with 10, 10 or so wins and find find themselves in the playoffs yet again. And just we'll, we'll see if they can do anything. DeAndre Hopkins coming back is going to make this receiving core very dangerous. They're going to have one of the best hands receivers, one of the best speed receivers. And then, you know, A.J. Green, Rondale Moore, and Andy Isabella, that's a pretty good three, four, five as far as, Wide receiver, wide receiver depth goes. All right. Um, number seven for me is the Minnesota Vikings. And there's a lot to like now with this team. Obviously, Tom is extremely high on Kirk Cousins. And, he, I mean, as it should be, now Kirk Cousins is finally getting an offensive-minded head coach uh, coming to 
you know, kind of build this offense and take advantage of all the weapons that they do have because they do have um, a lot of good players on this offense. Justin Jefferson, Dalvin Cook, Adam Thielen. Um, we'll see it, when Irv Smith is able to return from injury. Obviously, it was a very serious injury that he suffered at the beginning, I think, of training camp last year. But um, the, the the Vikings, I think, are going to be very amiss the the playoff conversation. I don't I don't really think they're going to be catching the the Packers in the division just yet. But they have a lot of talent also on the defensive end that I think is going to take a step forward this year after pretty disappointing season. They added um, Lewis Seen and Andrew Booth Jr. to kind of help that secondary, obviously, stuff. Harrison Smith returning, who has been a, a force in that secondary for a long time. So the Vikings will all be a part of um, – they'll be competing all season long. I think a lot of it, though, will come down to um, – can Kirk Cousins win those big games? Because we've seen up to his point, up to this point in his career, he struggled to win those big games. For me at number six, a fellow NFC North team, the Green Bay Packers are my number six team in the NFC heading into the season. The reason Aaron Rodgers, yes, he's a great player, blah, 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 blah. Contemplated retirement. Um wanted to get paid, and in turn, he did not care what his team looked like around him. And I think that this is going to reflect when we watch the season unfold, especially when I think that the overcome this hump. And I think are better now than the Green Bay Packers. Um, the Packers have always struggled in division. Um, the NFC North has always played each other very tough. So Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon – that's pretty much the extent of his weapons. Sammy Watkins has been injury-prone throughout his whole career. Randall Cobb would then be the four, and he has been absolutely – he he was great when Aaron Rodgers was 30. Well, It's pending to see if Randall Cobb can still be good now that Aaron Rodgers is 40 and that he's aging much as well. Amari Rodgers and then a bunch of guys you've never, ever heard of. So I think that – and Robert Tunyon, the, another weapon that Aaron Rodgers needs and enjoys his tight ends, especially in the red zone, coming off of uh, ACL tear late last season. The defense doesn't look good. And I don't, I don't, think, I don't think that we see this Green Bay Packers team winning their division this season. I, I just screw with the point you made there, and I'm not going to talk about it because I have the Packers much higher in my rankings and right, rightfully deserved. But I'll get to my number six team – which is the Dallas Cowboys. Um, Tommy obviously had a lot to say about them, and you know a lot of the points he made uh, were very true, but even with all the moves that the Cowboys have made and guys that they have gotten rid of, they still have a plenty of names that are going to still be able to get the job done. They still have C.D. Lamb. They still have Zeke and Tony Pollard, who obviously with Zeke, that's still a question just because his production has dipped in recent years, but Tony Pollard is a great backup running back. So there's really not much production lost at that position. Obviously, the, the offensive line in the past couple of years has also taken a dip, but we'll see if the reinforcements that they have have uh, to come into to the Cowboys organization. We'll see if those can really um, 
take a step forward. And then their defense was very good last year. Uh, sixth in the NFL in defense last year, obviously led by Micah Parsons, who had a sensational uh, rookie season. Obviously, Trayvon Diggs being the ball hawk that he is as the cornerback position, even though he is not the best in coverage, he's still able to make an impact on the field. I do think it's it's going to be an interesting uh, race between the, the Cowboys and the Eagles at the top of the NFC East. Um, obviously, I haven't mentioned mentioned the Philadelphia Eagles yet, so kind of uh, kind of foreshadows the direction I see this division going. Okay, my number five team is the Minnesota Vikings, and I'm sorry, but this team is just you are wildly underrating it. Kirk Cousins has put up good statistical numbers throughout his entire career. Yes, the big game is it's immeasurable. But it is true. He's struggled in the big game. This team has the best one-two punch as far as wide receivers go in football. And I stand by that. I think that Justin Jefferson is top three. Realistically, I think he's top two. Adam Thielen makes the top 15 on my list very easily. Um, Dalvin Cook and Alexander Madison, both incredible running backs. KJ Osborne, eh, you don't, I mean, you don't really know what you're gonna get from him, but he's a very good complimentary three. Irv Smith is a good tight end, obviously pending his health. Um, the defense or the offensive line is good enough to make the running backs look good. So I think the offensive line is good enough to make Kirk Cousins look good. This defense is underrated. Patrick Peterson, Harrison Smith, Cameron Dantzler. Darius Smith is a big piece that no one's talking about because they took that they took Zadarius Smith from a Green Bay Packers team who they are going to be competing with heavily this season. And Zadarius Smith obviously only played the one game last year. He got hurt. But in the two years prior, he combined for 26 sacks. 26 sacks in 2019 and 2020 combined. And that's a, it's going to be a big push to add to this, to this uh, Vikings defense that already plays very well. Daniil Hunter is another one that's a big piece. Eric Kendricks. I think that this team is complete. And I don't think anyone realizes it. I'm excited to watch him play. Yeah, number five for me is the Philadelphia Eagles. And they've gotten a lot better in this offseason based off the, the additions they made in the draft and in the in the um in free agency as well. Obviously, acquiring AJ Brown to beef up that receiving core is gonna go a long way in, in continuing to improve Jalen Hurts as a quarterback. And I think we see him take a another step forward. Uh, this season, and he has plenty of weapons to work it with, whether it's in the running back room, wide receiver room, or tight end room as well. Uh, but then on the defensive side of the ball, they obviously added Hassan Reddick and Jordan Davis, who they added in the draft, which is going to make their front seven um, a, a lot better, considering they were starting to age a little bit. And then the defensive backs, now they have James Bradbury, who they were able to steal from the New York Giants, a division rival, who now obviously joins Darius Slay, which is a very, very solid duo um, in a in a division <coughs> that they're going to be able to, I think, uh, win this year. It's obviously not going to be easy, but they have the team on paper to to now even potentially compete uh, for more in the NFC. <coughs> yeah, bless you there, Judd, as you cough. Uh, I know you point that out when I do it, so... Everybody on Spotify, just turn that phone sideways and watch his eyes pop out of his head. I have the Eagles at number four, and I think that this team is a very, very good football team. Jalen Hurts 
is going to take a step, but I'll get to that in a minute. Miles Sanders, Boston Scott, Kenneth Gainwell, doesn't sound too impressive, but they led the league in rushing efficiency last year as a unit. A.J. Brown obviously is a great receiver. Devontae Smith, I think, is high end of a true number two wide receiver that you can get in the NFL. Quez Watkins, obviously, I mean, you don't, you don't love seeing him in your starting lineup every day, but, you know, he can take a step. Zach Paschal, Jalen Rager, Greg Ward, all guys that are more than capable of playing. Dallas Goddard, I think he's a top five, at the very worst, top six tight end in the NFL as far as offensive production goes. You know, the offensive line has been good for as long as I can remember. And then this defense, I think it's going to lie on them. Darius Slay played very well last year. James Bradbury, one-year 10 mil. I think that was a steal of a signing. This happened just a few days ago. Fletcher Cox is getting older. But I think I think that this defense steps up enough. And the offense was pretty good. But Hurts, I also think, steps up enough. And I want to play a quick game with you, Jet. This is called Blind Resume. Here's Jalen Hurts, and we're going to compare him to a blind resume. Jalen Hurts in his first year as the starter. 3,144 yards, 16 touchdowns, nine interceptions, and an 87.2 passer rating. Who is this quarterback in his first year as a starting quarterback? 3,089 yards, 20 touchdowns, nine interceptions, and an 85.3 passer rating. So less yards, more touchdowns, worse passer rating, identical interceptions. You are muted. I get a year? Uh, no. Because that could be um, so many quarterbacks. But uh, let me uh, let me think about this. Um, Got to give me a year. There's, there's, there's... 2019. Kyler Murray? It's Josh Allen. Interesting. That was Josh Allen's first year as a starting quarterback. I use Josh Allen because him and Jalen Hurts both have the run game to add to their resume. Um, so I think that people are Jalen Hurts off a little bit early as a, oh, he's whatever. He's not going to be a top guy, which I'm not saying he necessarily is, but people weren't giving Josh Allen this type of hate. And I think that people are giving Jalen Hurts the hate a little bit too early. So if, if he can take that same step, or even close to that same step that Josh Allen took in his second year as a starter, which his yards went up 1,500, 17 more touchdowns, and a passer rating 20 points higher. This is a this is a potential one or two seed in the NFC. Well, yeah, I, I like Jalen Hurts, and I, I do really expect him to take another step forward, and he has the ability with the with the, the weapons now to do that. Um, number four for me is the San Francisco. 49ers, and obviously with them, they have, still have an extremely talented roster. Obviously, there's questions whether Debo Samuel will, will be out there this season. I do think we'll see him uh, for the whole season. I don't think these disputes are going to really carry over that much. And then regardless of which quarterback is at the helm for the 49ers, I think both are going to be able to you know lead this team to much more success in this in this upcoming season. And then, you know, just looking at the defense, you still have Nick Bosa, you still have Fred Warner, you still have Jimmy Ward, and, and, and a nice group of younger players that are still going to be a formidable group that's going to have a great impact on the defensive end. So, obviously, 
Um, the 49ers aren't in my top three because I, I don't believe they are better than one of these top three NFC teams, but they still have a very, very talented roster. Yeah, give me the Niners at three. And I'm sure this is just because I have them above the Packers. Obviously, you're still sucking that Aaron Rodgers, whatever it is that you're sucking. But Trey Lance, I think, is – he can't be worse as far as making your own play than Jimmy Garoppolo unless he decides to go outside the playbook. And if he lets Kyle Shanahan run the show and he performs well, he looks good, team if he thinks he's gonna take the show over from Kyle Shanahan well then you really I really don't know what to tell you because I have no idea we're gonna see from him at that point the infamous Nate Sudfeld he is the third string quarterback on this roster and I this because Jet do you remember what important moment Nate Sudfeld was in I do not 2019 or 2020 playoffs we see Nate Sudfeld, and he comes in for the Eagles instead of Jalen Hurts against the Washington Commanders, which were then either the football team or the Redskins. And basically they throw the game, which caused the Giants to be knocked out of the playoffs and have the Commanders go in. And obviously if the Eagles won that game and if they tried with Jalen Hurts and potentially won that game, the Giants would have won the NFC East at 6-10 and 10 that year. <laughs> oh my gosh uh, Elijah Mitchell Jeff Wilson, Trey Sermon good running back core Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk they're going to be good This team, I don't think this team gets better than three um, I could definitely see them getting worse um, but I, I don't think that this team competes for a Super Bowl this year I just think on paper you have to respect some of the names that you see and some of the potential you see in these younger guys yeah, um, number three, the Green Bay Packers. Tommy really discounted that defense, and obviously they're losing Smith, who was a big part, even though he didn't really play at all uh, last season. But um, a defense that really, really had a strong season a year ago, and I think they're only going to continue to get better this season because they added some nice names and Devontae Wyatt and Quay Walker in the draft. And arguably, I mean, a lot of people are saying, is this possibly the best Packers defense they've had in a while? And, and then in regards to the offense, I really don't think the offense is going to – it's going to take a step back, but I don't think it's going to be as big of a step back as a lot of people are thinking. How are they going to be able to make up the void for Devontae Adams? They're really going to need um, some of the younger guys that they drafted, Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, Amari Rogers, to step up. Obviously, you can you you know you're getting from Randall Cobb and Sammy Watkins. They also should they also really need to stay healthy. And then Alan Lazard has built up a nice rapport with Aaron Rodgers, so I I think we see him kind of step up and be the, the go to for Aaron Rodgers. And then you can't forget that Aaron Rodgers is still going to rely on his running back duo, and then I'm sure he's going to look to Robert Tanya in a tight end. A bunch, so I, I do think the Packers. I mean, they're a great regular season team, regular season team year in and year out, and I don't think that's going to change. It's just going to end up in another d disappointing finish once again in the playoffs. Number two for me is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Forty-five-year-old Tom Brady is back for more. Very easily could have won the Most Valuable Player award last season. I think that he should have for the same reason I think Joel Embiid should have this year. 
Um, <clears throat> oh. You're gonna have to pardon that cough there. Uh, just for this, just for the sake of why I cut out. Yeah, no, you, you muted yourself. Oh uh, well, just for the sake of not having the same player win win the award twice in a row. So Aaron Rodgers in year two, and so can Nikola Jokic can both go. Fuck off, Leonard Fournette. Seemingly revived his career last season. Mike Evans. I think he's a very underrated wide receiver. He was overrated when he first broke into the league and very quickly became underrated because he just received a lot of hate. I don't even know if it's underrated or, or just overhated. Um, Chris Godwin, hopefully he can get back to his former self. And then obviously Russell Gage, I think, was a big pickup. It's going to be the perfect piece to complement where Antonio Brown used to take place. Um, Cameron Braid at tight end, that's standard. Wait, what happened to Gronk? He hasn't um, announced if he's returning or not. He what? He hasn't announced if he's returning or not. <clears throat> oh, well, they, they lost the other one, O.J. Howard. So if he doesn't return, that could be a big hole for them, actually. Um, offensive line is always good for this team, especially any offensive line Brady's ever played with. Another thing that you could say is every defense Brady's ever played with has been good. So this team is going to be very good once again. I, I wouldn't be surprised if Brady goes out on a high note with a Super Bowl ring. Absolutely, and I'll, I'll add I'll add on to that as I have the Buccaneers as my number two team as well. Um, a lot of the same guys returning once again for what is probably going to be Tom Brady's final year, regardless. Uh, Chris Godwin is the big story. Can he, you know, get back to his normal self after the injury he suffered? But uh, the weapons that Tom Brady has at disposal are, you know, as good as we've seen, even with some of the names that they have lost. I do like uh, a pick they made in the draft with the running back, Ricard White, who I think will end up being the number two running back above Keyshawn Vaughn, who's going to have a strong impact in the receiving game, obviously, as long as he's able to um, add value as a pass protector as well. And then the, the Buccaneers need to get a little bit younger on defense, and they did. They got rid of Sue and Pierre Paul. Uh, replaced it with younger talent, Joe Joe Char Tryon, who they drafted a couple years back, and then Logan Hall as well. Um, the Buccaneers have a really good roster on paper, and obviously their chances increased once Tom Brady announced he was returning to the team. So I think I think it's pretty clear by by a wide margin, in my opinion, who the top two teams in this in this conference are. I, I would agree, and I would also say I think that those are the only two chances Super Bowl run this season. I don't think any of the team in this NFC is ready just yet. The Eagles are a young one that could ascend. Um, the Vikings are kind of – this is their time to win if they are going to. Packers are getting worse before they get better, in my opinion. Um, Cowboys have gotten a lot worse this offseason. Crazy, you know, how big of a difference two months can make of no football going on whatsoever. Um but really, other than that, Cardinals are young. Um, I say young-ish just because their only young piece really is their quarterback. But, uh, but, yeah, I think that the Rams could own the NFC for a while, so let me talk about them. They are my number one team in the NFC yet again. A very, very real chance of repeating as NFC. Matthew Stafford, obviously, I'm very high on him. I believe I had him at five on my list of quarterbacks just based on my formula. I wouldn't have him quite that high, but I would still have him at 
at seven or eight. So he's a great quarterback, in my opinion. I think Daryl Henderson needs to start running back this year. He was much more efficient, and he looked like he just more obviously Cam Akers was off the Achilles, but he kind of hurt that team when he played. So I, I would like to see Daryl Henderson get, get given another chance. The receiving core looked on paper better last year, but you have to remember, oh, together, very limited. Uh, because Robert Woods went down with the ACL. Obviously, now they don't have Woods, and Odell Beckham Jr. is still a free agent, but they went and got Allen Robinson, who I think is better than both of those other two guys. Um, he just hasn't had to prove it in recent years, and I think Cooper Cup is going to stay on top of the world like he was last year. This defense is incredible. Aaron Donald, Leonard Floyd, Jalen Ramsey, Taylor Rapp, and oh, yeah, let's go get Bobby Wagner. Been leading the league top five in tackles his whole entire career. A absolute captain on the defense. They now have three of them. Um, I think they have three players in this defense that are better than 50% of the league's best defensive player. So the defense got better. The offense, honestly, it definitely didn't get worse. I think it may have gotten a tiny bit better. Um, this is going to be the second year. I mean, that was their first year all playing together as an offense, and they won. So, I mean, chemistry is just getting better. Obviously, I think one of the best uh, coaching lines in the NFL, and I think Jet can agree with that. So this this team is very real chance to win it again, honestly. Yeah, I mean, not, not really much else to say about this team. Obviously, they did lose Von Miller to the Bills in free agency, but when you replace him, basically, obviously it's a different position, but replace him with um, Bobby Wagner, uh, their defense is going to be just fine. And I, I agree that their offense, I think, got a little bit better because Allen Robinson is a wide receiver one. And now he's the wide receiver two on this offense. I think Allen Robinson, now that he has the best quarterback um, that he's been with in his career, I think potentially we could see um, maybe maybe a, a – not a career year for him because it's going to be hard with Cooper Cup on that team, but a, a much better season than we've seen from the past couple of years, especially after that disappointing season last year. But the Rams, I, I think um, they, they are the number one team. And if we were doing a combined power rankings, I would have them at number one, and they're the defending champs for a reason. And like they always say, fuck them picks. Right, Tommy? Yo. Uh, I don't know if I've ever heard anyone say that, especially not on this family-friendly podcast. A few of the major discrepancies that we had. We had the Packers three spots higher than I did. I had the Vikings. Uh, no, I had the... Yeah, I had the Vikings two spots higher than you did. I had the Cowboys two spots lower than you did. And obviously we had some mix-ups down in the dump of the NFC. Lions, realistically, Lions was a big one. Yeah, it was a two-spot difference. Went down in the dump of the NFC, which realistically starts with the Dallas Cowboys. Um, it's a good shirt there from Jet. Jet, give him the pose. Everybody looking at home, look at the shirt, look at the stance. By the way, this guy is really wearing that alone in his room. Yep, he did not wear this for the show, I promise. So he is alone in his room right now wearing a shirt with a picture of himself giving the middle finger on it. Jay, let's get to the word of the day a little bit early. That's fine. Yeah, we're, we're running we're running a long time, so if, uh, that's all we can get to. Not a problem at all. The word of the day, I don't know how to pronounce, 
But here it is. Mercurial. Mercurial. M-E-R-C-U-R-I-A-L. Mercurial. Mercurial means changing often or characterized by rapid and unpredictable changeableness of mood. It can also mean having qualities of eloquence, ingenuity, or fever attributed to the god Mercury or to the influence of the planet Mercury. The boss has mercurial temperament when at job sites, but she was relaxed and happy at the company picnic. Now, Jet, this sounds a lot like another word that I know, and that is bipolar. And when I think of the word bipolar, I think of a few things. I think of your attitude. The second thing I then think of is Jimmy Butler's box scores. I think that Jimmy Butler finally found a way to take his infamous day off, um, his first of the playoffs, even though he did eat up minutes. He ate up minutes, but he took the day off. Um, Jimmy Butler, let's just talk about his stat line really quickly. 27 minutes, 6 points, 7 rebounds, which thank you, Jimmy Butler, for hitting the over. I took over 6.5 rebounds on one assist. 3 for 14 from the field. And oh, look, the free throw merchant didn't get to the charity line. And he looks like the worst player in all of basketball. Max Struess, a guy you like to talk about quite a bit. 14 minutes, 0 points, 0 rebounds, 0 assists. 0 for 7 from the field, 0 steals, 0 blocks, 0 turnovers, and 3 personal fouls. So he basically ran around for 14 minutes chopping people. That's basically what I get from this box score. P.J. Tucker, very similar. 21 minutes, 0 points, 3 rebounds, 2 assists, 0 from the field, 1 steal, 0 blocks, 0 turnovers, and 2 personals. So he ran around hacking for 21 minutes. Kyle Lowry. I would take Kyle Kova over Kyle Lowry jet. And uh, if you need a reference for what I'm talking about, just quickly take a look at our Instagram. You will see the video that I'm talking about. It's a very comical video, 21 seconds. It's worth the watch. It's there. 21 minutes, three points, five rebounds, two assists, one for six from the field, two personal fouls. Bam Adebayo, the absolute best player in the world when there's not another center on the court. I think that's pretty standard, and I think it's pretty easy to do something like that. Bam Adebayo, when Joel Embiid was missing, went off in the first two games. Everybody thinks he's good again, and he falls right back down the slope. Um, Bam Adebayo, Robert Williams was out in game three, dropped 27 points. You can attribute that heat win to Bam Adebayo alone. Robert Williams comes back, 27 minutes, nine points, six rebounds, two assists. Absolutely abysmal. Four personal fouls. Jet, Victor Oladipo, really a candlelit room 100 yards away from where you're standing just to give a little bit of light to this Heat team. Um, 102 to 82, but really it was even farther away than that. The Heat had absolutely no chance after a 26 to 4 start to this, to this game. Uh, the Miami Heat have won two quarters out of 16 quarters this series, guys, and they have two wins. Very fluky wins. 
They played the first quarter really well on the road, and that was because the Celtics came out flat and thought that they were going to win this series no problem. They thought there was no chance of losing on the road. And shout out to the Heat. That's good for them. That's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to come out hard and fight. Then they had very good halftime adjustments in game one and had a massive third quarter. If it wasn't for these two quarters, this would be right now a 4-0 sweep. Um, very excited to see this game, this series, and then six games. Thought yeah, Tom, Tom, Tom continues, can, continues to put his foot in his mouth and sticks it down as far down <laughs> as it could go because he just doesn't know what he's talking about when he's talking about the Heat. Uh, you bring up those two quarters, and even in those two quarters, the Heat absolutely destroyed the Celtics. So you can you can bring up those two quarters, but the Celtics, every quarter counts and every minute counts. So even just looking at that smaller sample size, the Heat absolutely destroyed the Celtics in both of those quarters, hence why they were able to win two of those games, which was not a fluke at all. Uh, the Heat still have the better team, and you're you're going to come to realize that once they end up winning this series, because now two of the final three games, if it is a seven-game series, will be in Miami. And the Heat, um, this, this series, you know, it's been full of ups and downs. Uh, teams, the team that has won the previous game has gotten honestly complacent, and that's why we've seen these – the, the, these extreme uh, margins of victories for both teams. But um, going, going forward, I think the Heat are going to just come back even stronger in game five, and they're going to be able to win the game. Obviously, we'll see We'll see what the status of guys like Tyler Hero and Marcus Smart are, because obviously those are going to be very impactful on the outcome of this series. But I'm excited for the Heat to continue to prove everyone out there wrong and win this series, and then um, we'll go from there. Yeah. Um, honestly, let me just finish word of the day here. Jimmy Butler's box scores are very mercurial. They have no idea. I mean, you can wake up. You could be the most super being on earth to ever exist. And you could do the same thing day in and day out. And Jimmy Butler will not. He, he will not abide by your superstitions. So that's just something to keep note of here. Another thing I'd like to talk about, Jet, really quickly. Omar Yurtsevin is getting more minutes than Markeith Morris. And Markeith, he's not enjoying that. Um, he's actually been texting me. He's like, yo, can you put out a good word for me on the show? I told him, sure, um, as long as you don't, you and Jokic don't get into a scuffle again ever. Yeah, so I don't really know where I left off. There was a bit of a, a technical malfunction, but I will pick it up here. I was talking about Jimmy Butler's mercurial box scores. Don't know if you heard that or not. I then went on and talked about how uh, – something about Marquise Morris, but this is what I really wanted to get to. <laughs> what I really wanted to get to, Jet, yes, the Heat have won two out of 16 quarters – this series, but even more so than that, the Miami Heat have won zero games this playoffs against teams above 500 at full strength. So take that with what you will. Um, I wouldn't take it with a grain of salt because it's true and it's very relevant. Um, they have won zero games against teams above 500 at full strength. Obviously, they beat the Al Horford, Marcus Smartless Celtics. They then beat the Robert Williams list Celtics. 
Joel Embiid-less 76ers. They beat the Danny Greenless 76ers. They beat the 76ers. Well, everybody was beat up. Uh, it's it's sad to keep seeing these magic fraudulent runs. Yeah. Um, and with that, no, now, and with now, that now, now, now we know why the views are going down so much because of these awful takes. And it's just it'll be put to an end eventually once. Uh, I mean, it's, it's really all out of anger that his 76ers can't get past the uh, the conference semifinals. But um, here we are today on on May 24th, 101 on the Eastern time zone here. A.M. or P.M.? A.M. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I'm looking at 10 p.m. right now because I just took a trip out to Hollywood because the views are so sky high. They have filming with Colin Cowherd. Uh, actually, looking at the time, in about eight hours. So 6 a.m. I'm studio. Um, you can catch me on the herd tomorrow morning. Uh, the show starts around 10 on FS1. All right. Thanks, everybody, so much for listening. Subscribe here to hear more from the show. I'm Tommy. That was Jet, and this is the 25-8 Sportscast. The Cowboys suck.